Good morning. Good morning. I want to know who that old man was at the end. I think that was even worse than I look on a real basis. Golly. Um, when I look at pictures or videos anymore, I just like, that's an old guy. I don't know who he is. Hey, what a great day. It really is. And uh, Christian, congratulations. Just, uh, how about that? Our football team, um, um, 13 and 0. My son uh, played many years ago, and I sent that. that uh, uh, to him, and he had one word, wow. Uh, they didn't have quite that good a record when he was playing. Uh, but at any rate, congratulations to them, and good to see everybody here. It's great to see uh, guests. It's good to have you if you're joining us online, and uh, it's pretty awesome that we get a chance to worship. Uh, here we are at Thanksgiving, which is hard to believe, uh, is on us, and almost the end of the year, so uh, uh, time is flying. We need to count our days and take advantage of We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, it's kind of interesting that we had the impact on the student ministry today about uh, what they were doing, their retreat, because I, that kind of came to mind when I was um, putting this sermon together today, because at the student retreat back a few weeks ago, they did a fear factor challenge, and you may have seen them doing some of that, that kind of a challenge. Uh, they had 10 teams, everybody was on a team, they were challenged to eat unusual or just plain wrong kind of food. For example, moon pies. How about with ranch? Would you eat one with ranch? Or how about this? How about pig's feet or sardines? Some of you can't handle that. But then they even got worse because then they went to diaper-flavored jelly beans, dried squid, tarantula, crickets, and grasshoppers. But I'm really proud of all of them because all of the kids participated. And in fact, uh, Zach told me that eight out of 10 teams actually uh, finished all, uh, met all the challenges. Uh, I don't think I would want to do that. Some of those things do not sound appealing to me. But, you know, the reality is that we all have certain fears in our life. What is your greatest fear? Uh, I, I was kind of looking some up, and uh, let, me, let me share some of the most common fears. For example, a lot of people are afraid of snakes. Yeah, that's right, and, many, and for good reason, right? Heights, have a fear of heights. For some people, it's a fear of an accident. They almost won't go out because they fear an accident. Or maybe it's a serious health issue. For some people, it's a fear of public speaking, getting up in front of people. They have that natural fear. For some people, it's a fear of failure. For many people, it's the fear of death. And the reality is that we all have fears in our life, and they're very real, at least to to us. And some of them uh, are, are not realistic to other people, but they're real to us, so that's what matters. And some of those fears we don't have to face up to. You know, some of those, we just avoid heights. You know, we don't have to face up with that fear. We don't have to eat tarantulas. We just choose not to, right? But some of the fears we need to face and overcome. But what I know about this is that fear can actually be paralyzing, and it can stop us in our tracks, and it can prevent us from enjoying the best life that God has for us. Fear can be a horrible thing in our life, and it can really take the joy out of life. Now, some of our fears actually have a direct impact on us, uh, but no fear is more limiting than spiritual fear. I was thinking about this as we're going to talk about fear, and I was thinking that a lot of people don't even want to think about death, and they don't want to think about God because they have a fear of what that might mean for them. There are a lot of people who are afraid to take a step of faith to follow Jesus because they are afraid of what it might demand in their life, what they might have to give up, and other people are afraid that they might not be able to be faithful, and so they just avoid that altogether. It's a fear that kind of paralyzes them spiritually. But this is an unrealistic fear, and unfortunately, this unrealistic fear will cost them eternity in heaven. 
And you know what? Even for those of us who are believers, who maybe have faced our fear of dealing with our mortality or what our faith may cost us, and many of us who are followers of Christ, it's not always easy to let, or it's not always, sometimes we let fear limit what God can do in our lives. It's not always easy to overcome that. And I talk about fear today because we are wrapping up this message uh, in, in our release series. We've talked about several things that prevent us like guilt and shame and anxiety and, uh, and just the, the thought about being just a spectator and not a participant. Uh, many things have limited us that we need to be set free from. And today we're going to be talking about fear and how God can free us from our fear of commitment or our fear of following him. And, and in many ways, today is a big day for the life of Journey Church. For several weeks now, we've been talking about our released initiative, and you just saw a little video on that a few moments ago. And we've been talking about five key goals that we have in that. Number one, to continue our current mission only with more strategy and more efficiency. Secondly, to make a deeper impact on the lives of our children and adults by providing environments, better environments for worship, community, and service. Thirdly, to make a greater impact on sales, which is where God's put us by partnering with the most effective ministries in our area. Fourthly, to deepen our commitment in making disciples through increasing our support of local, national, and international global missions work. And then fifthly, to create more possibilities for all those things and for the future through debt freedom, being out of debt. And this past Sunday evening, uh, several of us met together, several of our core members, anyone who wanted to come was invited, but we met early to make early commitments to the release initiative. And then later on in the service, I'm going to be inviting you to join us in doing that. So you probably see a card laying around you there on the, on the, the chair, and we're going to be inviting you to join us in that endeavor for the next, next several months. Now, some of us are excited to do that. I'll be honest with you, I, we've been planning on this for years, a couple years now, and so I'm excited to go ahead and get rolling on this, but I suspect that there are others of us, very realistic, maybe you have some reluctance or fear to really commit. There is you know, a problem of fear of commitment, whether it be uh, to a person in a relationship, whether it be to a, a, a career, a job, whether it be to purchase a home, whatever it may be. I understand that there's a reluctance sometimes to take that step to really commit to something and, and say you're going to do it because you may be afraid that it might not happen or you might not be able to accomplish it. And you know, as we come to this time and, uh, and deal with our fears, there are a lot of reasons why you may feel like this isn't a good time financially for you. For example, uh, one of the things may be uh, that uh, you feel like, man, we're just barely getting by. And I understand that. I also understand that many times we choose what we, what we spend on, so that's why we barely get got by our choices in life. But, but sometimes we, we feel that way, or maybe you think you can't give it all or give any more, and I understand that, and, and that may be where you are in life. Or, or you say, you know, we're right here at Christmas time. Man, Black Friday is this week. It's not a great time to spend all your money, right? When we're about to hit Black Friday, that's pretty important to some people. Or, you know, we all know the economy seems a little shaky right now, right? We all kind of have wondered questions about that. Or maybe it's just the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's a fear of making financial commitments. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, if you're like me, you're in a 30-year commitment on your home. <laughs> 30 years, that's a long time. And we hope we pay it off earlier, uh, but not everybody's going to do that. We're going to, we just understand that. If you want a new car, my goodness, you know, some people are going to commit for seven years, six or seven years for that. 
Uh, great news. The commitment period for release initiatives is 18 months. We're not asking for years, just a few months now. And I also can do this boldly because this is an investment in the kingdom of God, not in ourselves and not in a person or even the future of our country, but the future of the kingdom of God. And we believe that God actually is going to help us meet all of our needs and all of our faith commitments. And that's why I've been challenging you the last few weeks to pray about this. I don't want you to do anything under compulsion. I don't want you to deal with that at all. I want you to have a peace about this. I want you to kind of pray about this long term. But I also understand that fear can be paralyzing and it can keep us from stepping out in faith. It will be a lot easier not to make a commitment. I'll, I'll tell you that. So today I thought in wrapping up this, uh, this series and kind of this initiative and sermon wise that I want to look at a study from the book of Matthew chapter 14. And this is a pretty familiar story to a lot of people, but I want you to re-examine it with me uh, with fresh eyes. This is a story about Jesus and his disciples and, and being in the boat. All right, let's, let's read it together. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on onto on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later on that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, to understand this and really what's been going on, this was immediately after Jesus had fed 5,000 people with two biscuits and two little fish that a little boy had brought to the crowd. And he had brought it in and offered it up, and Jesus had taken that, divided it up, if you remember, and then fed everybody, thousands of people, and then collected 12 baskets left over for the disciples to have a, a take-home meal with them. And, and it was a great, great day. And I would imagine that the disciples' faith were at an all-time high. I mean, they were pumped about Jesus. And finally, the day is over, it's evening, and Jesus dismisses the crowd, you've got to go home, we're not staying here tonight. He sends the crowd home, he then sends his disciple to the other side of the lake, get in the boat, made them get in the boat, and leave him, I'm going to catch up with you later. And then he goes up on a mountainside, as he often did, to pray. Now, as the night deepens, a storm picks up. And I'm told that's pretty common on the Sea of Galilee, that storms would come up very quickly and be very... Uh, severe at times. And several of the disciples were experienced fishermen, remember that, and sailors. So I'm sure that they were not surprised, and I'm sure that they were dealing with it as well as anyone could have, uh, trying to grow through the storm. But this seems to be like a monster storm of some sort. There are violent waves, there's a strong wind, there's pelting rain. The disciples had been rowing for hours. He sent them off probably about dark, and now it's in the middle of the night, and they're in the middle of the lake, and they are rowing against the wind. I'm sure at this point they would just like to find shore anywhere, and there's no end in sight. The storm doesn't seem to be letting up. Now, Jesus is up on the mountain, and what's kind of unusual, uh, they tell me, is that the storm can be raging on the sea, but on the mountaintop, it's quiet. There's nothing going. But he looks over, and he sees the storm, 
He sees the lightning, I'm sure, and knows his disciples were in big trouble. And so he decides to go down to them. And he gets down, and remember, this is Jesus. So he walks on the water, and he approaches them. Now, they're in the boat. Put yourself in the boat with them. And they're fighting the waves. They have been for hours. They're exhausted. They're worn out. They look up, and they see a figure walking to them on the water, and they naturally assume it's a ghost, right? It was a pretty common superstition that day that people who drowned would haunt the waves, and these were humans as well. And don't say you never thought you saw a ghost, all right, because we all have caught glimpses of things that kind of scared us, at least for the moment, right? So, I mean, don't be too hard on these guys. They think they see a a ghost, and now there's a new urgency in their rowing. They're rowing from the storm, and now they're rowing from a ghost. Things just got remarkably worse for these guys in the boat, right? Put yourself in that place. Now, what do you think was going through their minds? They had just seen Jesus do some amazing things, right? Feed thousands of people, And then all of a sudden, they're alone, and they're scared to death, and they think they're going to die. Maybe they thought Jesus has obviously forgotten about us. We thought we were in with him. We thought he was going to take care of us, and now, man, what is going on? You know, does he even care if we drown out here? We're all going to die. You know, I'm sure they they had those thoughts going through their mind. And what I know is that it's very easy for us to become fearful and lose faith whenever we are tired, whenever we're frustrated, Whenever we're threatened by something or whenever we're alone, we all kind of are are human, and so we begin a little bit fearful. And I wonder if this wasn't a time that Jesus had set up kind of a test of their faith. The mountaintop of of seeing all this great miracle and now fear, thinking they were going to die. You know, could it be that sometimes God's plan for us includes the storms of life and the challenges that we no, we can't meet alone. Is it possible that God allows those things to happen? I think it is. And when those times come, we have to decide, do we have the faith to push through and persevere and trust him no matter what? God may put obstacles along with opportunities into our life for us to be able to see, and then we learn to trust him through those as he provides for us in the face, in the face of the storm. But these guys are in the middle of it, and they're terrified double trouble, storm and ghost. And now Jesus calls out to them and he says, hey guys, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And now suddenly they they know everything's going to be all right. Ever had that moment where you're like, everything's going to be all right because Jesus just showed up. And Jesus is walking toward them through the storm. And so Peter, who was a pretty impulsive kind of guy, he made a really critical decision In fact, he's so excited, so full of faith at the moment that he asked Jesus, hey, if it is you, can I just join you out there? I mean, it's a pretty bold thing to do. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I ain't getting out of the boat until you invite me, basically. You know, and so Jesus said, well, yeah, come on out, you know. I'm sure Jesus is very pleased with Peter. This is a big step for him. And he says, well, come on out. And so Peter steps out of the boat in the middle of the storm, I, you got to see this. This didn't occur to me till just this time reading through this. The storm is still going on. Nothing has changed about their situation. The storm is still going on around them. The boat is still bouncing up and down all over the place and the wind and the rain is pelting. The storm is still happening. Jesus is coming through the storm and Peter in the middle of the storm gets out of the boat. That's significant, I think. Because most of us are just wanting the storm to end. And then we might get out of the boat. But Peter, he he gets out of the boat in the middle of everything. He's caught up in the moment. 
He's relieved to see Jesus. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking across the water. I don't know how this would be. I know there were waves. You know, was he like walking through the waves? Was he on top of the waves? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I got a feeling he was on top of the waves for some, some reason. But anyway, he's walking through the water. He, he just can't see, can't wait to get to Jesus. But you know what? He's also human. And the further he gets from the boat and safety, what he thought was safety, the more he begins to realize what he's actually doing. You ever done that where you took a little step of faith and then all of a sudden you're like, what in the world am I doing? This is crazy. I can't do this. His faith fades and fear takes over and he says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I was thinking this is one of the shortest prayers in the Bible, right? Ever think about that? Some of the prayers can be long. This shortest prayer, three words, Lord, save me. Because whenever you are sinking, Prayer's the key, but you can make it short. It's all right. Cry out to the Lord, and he gets the point pretty quick in just very few words. So Peter prays. Jesus steps in. We read the story. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You know, I've just thought through the years that Peter gets kind of a bad rap about this story, and I'm sure that, you know, his friends ribbed him and everything. He did doubt and start sinking, but you know what? He was a giant of faith compared to everybody else. Nobody else in the boat volunteered to get out as far as we know. There was no other disciple who had been there with Jesus like Peter had who ever volunteered to get out of any boat as far as we know. It's not recorded anywhere. But at least he showed some faith and stepped out of the boat. So before you criticize Peter for having a little faith, remember it's better to have a little faith than to have no faith which is what the rest of them must have, which is how we often operate, by the way, ourselves. And remember, all this transpired where the storm was raging on around them. But at this point, Jesus had hold of his hand, and he was safe, and he was good. In verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, this is, I think, an amazing story and it really isn't just an, a, a, a miracle, one miracle, it's three miracles. When you think about it, Jesus walked on the water, Peter walked on the water, and Jesus stilled the storm. And there were other times that Jesus stilled the storm, uh, there's at least one more record of that, but never when he wasn't with them. He was always in the boat with them before. This time he wasn't in the boat, he showed up, and then he stilled the storm. But this story ought to bolster our faith and remove all of our doubt and fear because the same Jesus that was with them that night is with us today. Don't ever wonder, wow, you know, it'd be great to know that Jesus. We have that Jesus. God is with us. He, he, he is as real today as he was back then in person. And so I, there's a couple of lessons I think we can learn from this. First of all, is that peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus. You know, we oftentimes think, you know, man, when, when life is calm and good and things are easy and everything's going my way, then I won't have peace. That isn't always true, is it? That might be a short period in our life. Jesus doesn't promise us smooth sailing all the time. Instead, he in fact promised he would always be with us. So when the storm is raging, remember that Jesus is there and that Jesus didn't take away the storm before he invited Peter to come out with him in, in the water. That's important to understand. When you think about the storms of life and the factors that may control whether we use courage or succumb to fear, remember that we're to step out in the storm, in the middle of it. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus, even in the middle of the storm. 
Second thing is that faith requires stepping out of the boat. It demands we step out. We like comfortable and safety. I don't like change a lot. I like things to be easy. I like not to have to worry. I like not to have to think about things. But sometimes God's going to ask us to go against everything we feel like is safe and, and to take a risk and trust him. And like Peter, we may, we may step out of the boat and then be overcome with fear and, and feel like, wow, I've really done something dumb now. But Jesus will be there to catch us if we trust him and if we're walking with him. He's always faithful. You know, this may have been the first time that Peter ever stepped out of the boat. We don't know, but I'm sure it wasn't the last time because if you trace the lives of the disciples after Jesus uh, commissioned them and they began the church, they were constantly taking risks. They were constantly going places and putting themselves in danger, but he always was faithful. And Peter learned through his experience, this experience, that Jesus would never let him down. Third thing, without Jesus, you're going to sink. You're going to think if Jesus had not intervened that night, the disciples, probably their story would have ended there. That's what they thought and probably would have. And we'd never heard about them. And they were a great bunch and they all died in a storm. That wouldn't have been very great, would it? But that wasn't God's plan, right? Without Jesus, you're going to sink. Peter's walk on the water was short-lived. Do you notice when he began to sink? When he took his eyes off Jesus. He was fine as long as he was focused on Jesus even though he was doing the impossible. But when he was distracted by the wind and the waves around him, the storms of light quickly overcame him. And when we take our eyes, or if and when we take our eyes off him, we're going to start to sink in depression and despair and temptation and doubt. That's when we start to sink. Only when we have our eyes on him can we walk with him. With Jesus, you can not only endure life, but you can walk above the storm in life. Here's the fourth thing I see here, is that worship is going to be our response. Maybe the most important lesson from this story is the response of the disciples to the power of Jesus. When he climbed into the boat and the storm eased and stilled, they all worshiped him. I just got a picture of them all just bowing down in the boat and worshiping Jesus as he stood there. They all worshiped him because they acknowledged who he was. You know, Peter may have had a really short lapse of faith here, and taking some ribbing from his friends, but they were all over, overwhelmed with thankfulness and overwhelmed with the power of Jesus, and, and they knew that no near, mere man could have done this. In fact, here's what's interesting. They bowed down and worshiped him, and they proclaimed, truly you are the Son of God. Now, that's significant for a couple of reasons, obviously, because they were acknowledging who Jesus was, confessing him. But as far as we know, this is the first recorded time that they had truly verbally said this. Jesus had been telling them that he was the Son of God, but it was just now beginning to sink in, just now beginning to realize, wow, he really is the Son of God. And then the fifth lesson is when you follow Jesus, he's going to do incredible things through you. He will do incredible things through you. God wants you to have your own walk on water moment. So many of us play it safe all of our life, and we never really give God room to work in our life. Because we always do what we can already do alone. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what you can do in life. And you know what you don't want to do or don't think you can do. God wants us to do things and do things in us and through us. He can do things that we can never even imagine. But we normally sell up for boring and safe. Just stay in the boat experiences. I know what I can do. And Peter had a story to tell. Peter, I imagine Peter told this story everywhere he went. 
I'll never forget the day I walked on water with Jesus and talked about the thrill and the exhilaration of being out there with Jesus with nothing to support him but faith. Have you ever been out there with Jesus but with nothing to support you but faith? Have you ever gone there? Most people haven't. But you know what? The Bible is packed with stories of people who did, people who act by faith. Noah built an ark. Imagine being Noah. God said, Bill and Art's going to rain and flood. It had never rained or flooded. Nobody even knew what that was. But Noah did it because God told him to. Abraham left everything he had to go to a land that he had never heard of or even seen. Little David defeated Goliath, walked out on the battlefield with a few rocks and, and defeated a giant. On and on, God gave people a challenge and they stepped up to it. They lived by faith. And the same thing is true for us today. If you're unwilling to take a chance and get out of the boat, you're never going to discover what living by faith and walking on water is all about. And you will never experience the thrill that comes by knowing that it was only by the power of God that you did something. See, what Peter did was humanly impossible. But remember, the Bible says with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And I have a feeling that in heaven one day, stories like this and more and more even beyond this, probably will be told and retold. So let me ask you, what's going to be your story of faith? What's going to be your story of faith? Well, you say, you know, I remember (laughs) I never took a step of faith. I never got out of the boat, never did anything I couldn't do. I knew where it was safe and I never did it. Or will you say, you know what? I didn't know how I was ever going to do it. But one day I went to my neighbor and talked to him about Jesus. I was scared to death, but they listened and they gave their life to Christ. I never thought I could stand up in front of people, but I took a deep breath and I did it. And you know, it wasn't as hard as I thought. It was a step of faith. I got out of the boat. I never thought I could survive without, you name whatever it might be in your life, money or friends or whatever, but I did. God did it. I'm not talking about foolish or business risks that you may have taken and you got lucky, but I'm talking about true spiritual discussions and decisions where you have left the safety of the boat and you stepped out where only Jesus could save you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been released by your faith to step out of this boat and do something big for Jesus? Or are you like most of us holding on with white knuckles to the boat in fear? It was safer in the water with Jesus than it was in the boat. And that's what we oftentimes don't understand. You know, we've been talking about the release initiative. I think it's one of those opportunities to step outside the boat in faith. These are storming uncertain times. They really are. But we're going to invite you to join us to do that. Let me also say, even more importantly, the greatest adventure is stepping out of your life and your self-dependence and giving your life to Jesus Christ. That is the greatest adventure. And it's going to pay off in the end. Because then you're going to have a story to tell to the ages in heaven to many people. And that's the most important thing. And so that's my biggest challenge to you today. You know, maybe you've been holding on. You've been fearful of what it might mean to follow Jesus. You've been afraid to say, you know, I think I'm just going to play it safe and kind of watch and see what happens. But there comes a time when you've got to choose. Stay in the boat or get out and trust him. I'm going to be down front in just a few moments as we uh, have a song uh, just a a few minutes later here. And I'm going to be available if you want to talk about your relationship with the Lord. And maybe today is your day that God's calling you to step out. 
And my prayer is that you'll have the courage to do that. If that really is what God's challenging you to do, that you'll do it and you'll never, ever be sorry. I promise you.